0: all the books a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases this is episode 55 and today we are talking about books released on may 24th 2016 i'm liberty hardy here with my fellow old redhead rebecca shinsky and we're coming to you from bookriot.com
1: hey 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 it's been like two weeks since we actually recorded together but it's only been a week since we saw each other that's true
0: and i'm ready i can totally drive episode 55
1: we are back from BDA. Yeah we're
0: not 100%. well we're Carson <laughs> st- I'm still trying to catch up on work I know you are too we so. are back
1: in body if not yes. in spirit um,
0: yes we made it back and that is what counts because my bus ride was so horrible oh there my- was it was questionable there for a while like was um, she actually going to return <laughs> there I'm, were so many people that followed it like along on Twitter as I was driving out to Chicago and when I got there they were like oh, we didn't think you were gonna make it
1: right there we didn't the think great, I was gonna make it the great <laughs> (laughs) pretty bus adventure and then like the funniest thing of BEA this year at least for you and me I think was getting mistaken for each other or at least I got mistaken for you like four times including once by someone who's known me for seven years oh (laughs) I didn't hear that but yes I was mistaken (laughs) for you as well um but I there I put a picture of me and Amanda from one of the BEA parties on the book riot Instagram account and someone was like how was the bus trip Everyone Uh, knew. Everyone knew about your bus trip. It does happen. Look, if I'm going to get mistaken for anybody, I'm totally happy for it to be you. Yeah, Um, yeah.
0: But it was amazing. Everyone was so nice. It was so cool. This is my favorite one yet. And Chicago was just yeah.
1: Chicago is great, isn't it? Yeah. And, I had no idea that it was that amazing. And we got to meet so many great All the Books listeners. I got to meet so many of you who walked up and introduced yourself. And I know the same happened for you, Lib. So, it was so great. Thank you to everybody who did that. We really are nice in person and we really do love meeting you guys. Um, so that was really fun. And of course, we always like an excuse to hang out together for a couple days. Absolutely. Um, Karaoke. Yeah. Some more awesome stuff. It was good. It it has me looking forward to Book Riot Live already. And uh, we'll do a live version of this show where our very steadfast editor Kyle will just have to cringe at all of the things he'll have to <laughs> fix after we like go crazy live on the air. Um, but if We'll you wanna, wear
0: name tags so people can tell us apart. Right. We'll have to get new uniforms <laughs> this
1: year. I'll figure it out. Um, if you want to come hang out with us at Book Riot Live, it's November 12th and 13th in New York City. The VIP tickets are only available through the end of March, through March 30th. March. It's May now. Through the end of May. <laughs> through May 31st, you get $40 off your registration price. You get first. Crack at RSVPing to special events and you'll get a free Book Riot Live water bottle. Also, if you are planning to come anyway, go ahead and do your registration, especially if you want to attend the Saturday night cocktail party at the Strand in the rear book room. We have less than 10 of those tickets left. Um, so do that now. BookRiotLive.com, get your VIP tickets by May 31st and come hang out with us. And before we get into the book stuff of all the books, I want to thank our first sponsor this week. It is said. Send me swooning. If you love romance reading, this is a monthly literary romance subscription box to satisfy all your romantic reading desires. Each month, Send Me Swooning will send you a carefully selected sexy, sassy romance book and elegant gifts that are curated especially for you. Uh, Love stories make the best summer reads, as we all know. I think they make the best reads most of the time. The June box is going to feature a sexy beach read by an award-winning romance author. So if you can't get enough romance reading in your life, get Send Me Swooning. It's the monthly subscription service. It starts at $31.99 for a one-month plan. You'll save more when you choose a three- or a six-month subscription, and All the Books listeners will get a 10% discount off your first month using the code All Books, which is all one word smushed together. This is a great birthday or anniversary gift. If you've got a graduation coming up for someone who likes to read romance, it would be a great gift for them as well. And if you're on Spotify, you can find their classic romance songs playlist that features, as you might have guessed, classic love songs as well. So go to sendmeswooning.com to sign up and use the code All Books to get 10% off your first month. Thanks to them for sponsoring.
0: Yes. And we got a sneak peek at what what's in it. So we know that it's hmm It's good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, speaking of good stuff, want to hear about my first book? Take it away, lady. Okay. My first pick is called Sweet Bitter by Stephanie Danler. That's sweet bitter, all one word. Um, it is a debut that has been getting a ton of buzz, and it's completely worthy of it. I read it. I loved it. Um, And now I'm going to tell you about it, because that's why we're here. (laughs) That is what we do Can you tell my brain is like, (laughs) come on, keep going. Okay, so it takes place in 2006. There's a beautiful young woman named Tess. She's 22. She's leaving behind her life. Uh, She had a mother who abandoned her when she was a baby, and her father, who doesn't really have time for her, Um, and now she's 22. She's out of college, and she's in her car. She heads to New York City, because that's what you do when you have big dreams, or you don't know what to do, or... You know, any of those things. Um, She finds a roommate. She gets. She decides she wants to work in a restaurant. Uh, Her roommate casually mentions that, oh, like the best restaurant in New York City is this. And she's like, okay, that's the first place she goes to. That's the first place she's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work in the the best restaurant in New York City. Um, She applies for the job. She gets it probably because she is a beautiful young woman. um, But, you know, we're kind of like pretending that that's not really the reason. And it's because, you know, she used to work as a barista and she's, you know, has great social skills and all the stuff, but it's probably because she was beautiful. Um, the manager is kind of skeevy, uh, so she gets this job, and you know she starts out on the low, you know the lower rung, um, you know like getting towels for people and like running drinks and doing all the stuff. And it's just this restaurant, this the restaurant that she has created in this is amazing. Um, if someone said to me that Stephanie Dandler has never worked in a restaurant, oh, I really? would be no. If someone said that to oh, me, like okay. I don't know, but like I would just be floored because. Um, I spent a lot of my twenties, um, working in restaurants and this is exactly how it is. Like this dynamic, you know, um, with the chef, you know, the chef is always angry and bossing everybody around and the manager, you know, is sort of questionable. He has a lot of, um, relationships with the younger staff. Um, Tess is thrilled. She's loving the excitement. She loves how busy it is. She loves how it keeps her going. It doesn't, you know, it keeps her brain from actually thinking she's, you know, exhausted at the end of the day. Um, she starts making friends, you know, she learns about shift drinks and like everybody has a shift drink and then they go out and they have lots more drinks and people are doing drugs and they're doing Adderall to stay awake so that they can do their next shift. Um, she's really into the bartender named Jake, but everyone at the restaurant is like, you know, stay away from Jake. He's bad news. But of course, you know, she wants the bad boy bartender. Um, and then there's another woman there, an older woman named Simone, who like pretty much is in charge of everything, even though she's not actually in charge. She has all the answers, and she's teaching Tess about food and about wine and about taste. And and, and while this is all going on, um, you know, Tess is pining away for Jake, the bartender. And Jake and Simone have some kind of strange relationship that Tess is trying to figure out. And it's just, it's, it's great. It's so fantastic. Um, she writes Desire beautifully, like how Tess desires um jake and and a new life and all this stuff but she uses like food and and the senses to to describe it and it, it's really great um it's basically it's basically like showgirls in a restaurant you know oh, you have, sold. Like, sold you have like um the young beautiful girl and she comes in and she's interested in this guy and then you have like the older woman who's in charge of everything but you know will she always be on top and um but everybody mostly keeps their clothes on it's <laughs> It's just, it's really great. And I really enjoyed it. Again, it is called Sweet Bitter, and it's by
1: Stephanie Danler. I've had my eye on that one, and then I cycled it down my reading list since you were going to pitch it this week, but I'm still going to get there. That sounds great.
0: Yeah, I think you would really like it.
1: Uh, My first pick this week is called How to Make White People Laugh by Nagin Farsad. That's N-E-G-I-N. Farsad is F-A-R-S-A-D. She is an Iranian-American comedian. And this is a hysterical and very smart memoir about essentially growing up brown in a culture that is defined by white culture. Um, And she takes the tack that many comedians take of going for uh, affecting political and social change through making people laugh. So she writes about growing up in Palm Springs, where, as you can imagine, there were not very many brown people, especially brown people who were Iranian-American, uh, and being culturally confused. She had um, identity issues because she didn't really know anyone other than her parents uh, who were also Iranian-Americans. Uh, so for a while, she thought that she was black. Um, and for a while, she really wanted to be Mexican. And then as she uh, got into college and into her 20s, started working. Um, Understanding more what it was to be an Iranian American person. And so then she starts unpacking, like, really what's going on um, when white culture is so dominant that anybody who is growing up who's not white sort of can get lumped in with all of the other people who aren't white, um, rather than understanding those distinct cultures all the way along. It's really funny um, and really thoughtful. And it reads like stand up, which I think is great. Um, but if you're not a, if you're a person who's like not if you're not into that patter of stand up where there's a joke, like every couple of sentences or everything has a punchline, just know like, you can read the memoir and then just ignore the The footnotes. Like she has footnotes in this because they're funny. Um, But that's where the punchlines live. And if you don't want it to feel like stand up, I guess you could just ignore them. I would say read them. Uh, but I think it's, you know, we have, we have such a really interesting, wonderful and much richer cultural conversation happening right now about race and identity and how culture gets created and defined. And we're moving into a time where white people have to acknowledge that we don't own American culture. And, uh, in many ways, we didn't invent many of the things that uh, have been hallmarks of American culture, but we can't pretend that we have any longer. Um, and, Nagin Farsad takes the the route of pointing out the funnier aspects of this, but using, you know, she uses really personal, sometimes difficult experiences and makes them funny um, to get at that. And the book is about what it is to be uh, an Iranian-American woman who's telling jokes largely in rooms filled with white people to try to get white people to think about race and culture uh, in a bigger, more interesting and important way. Um, I really loved it. It's, it's hysterical and so smart. I Want to be her friend, but also I'm afraid of what she might observe about me. <laughs> you know, like you, yeah. I'm always a little bit afraid of having a comedian friend, but she seems really cool. Uh, the book is called "How to Make White People Laugh," and it's by Nagin Farsad. Woo-hoo. Woo hoo! Uh, Woo. Okay, before we roll on, time for another sponsor. Uh, this week we have "Smoke" by Dan Violetta. and. I was reading this book. I have just about finished it. I'm loving it. And I was going to pitch it on the show. And then I found out that it was our sponsor. And we don't pitch the sponsored books because you can't pay us to recommend your title. So this is an ad for Smoke. But I also have read it and liked it. And they did not pay me to say that. Uh, <laughs> this, is that clear? Uh, this was said. It's said in Dickensian, essentially Dickensian London. Um, what would it be like to live in a world where sins, both large and small, emanate from your body in the form of smoke. Like if you're thinking a nasty thought about someone, if you're angry, if you're horny, um, your body emits smoke and it, it emits different kinds of smoke based on what you're doing or thinking. It leave behind, leaves behind different kinds of soot that can be read. And we meet the two main characters at their um, elite boarding school Thomas Argyle is a son of aristocracy. Um, he has been sent to the school to be purged of his wickedness uh, because the wealthy are not supposed to smoke. Uh, but on a trip to London, Thomas and his best friend Charlie witness events that make them wonder if everything they've taught, been taught about smoke could be a lie. And that's really where the story takes off. It turns out that uh, these kids, uh, the whole culture in London has been taught that everyone has always smoked, that smoke has always been a part of the world. Like the Bible contains mentions of smoke right alongside the original sin story with Adam and Eve. But there might actually just be a giant conspiracy at the heart uh, of what's going on here. It's so weird. Uh, And very interesting, the concept reminded me of a book that I know we both loved called um, The Illuminations by Kevin Brockmeyer. where – uh, in that book, when people are in pain, their wounds emit light. Uh, and that book is about, you know, what would happen if we could see the other the ways in which other people are hurting. This is about what's a world what it, what's it like in a world where you can see uh, when someone is doing something wrong or when they're thinking something uh, unsavory uh, and they have to live in fear of being like tainted by it. If you get around too many people that are smoking, the smoke like will infect you and make you want to be sinful. Uh, as well it's a really creative interesting concept um, I'm glad that they sponsored the show uh, so that I had an excuse to talk about it still uh, the book is out now it also has a beautiful cover you should check that out um, and it, again it's called Smoke by Dan Violetta V Y L E T A. so thank you uh, to Doubleday for sponsoring
0: I find it so interesting that between this and The Fireman by Joe Hill last week we have two books out this year about people who literally Oh, smoke. right. And yeah. like when there are groups of them, they smoke more. Like, it's, uh-huh. it's so strange. Like, you know, and they both probably had to do like, I'm going to have people smoke, like, <laughs> you know, and boom. no one's done that. But we'll both do it right now, right here at the same time within a week of each other.
1: It's so weird when that's it's like that simultaneous invention thing. That happens yeah. there are also two books out this year about um like melville's love relationships and i think they're com- they're both coming out pretty soon there's one called the whale that's about nathaniel right. hawthorne's crush on herman melville essentially and like the long bromance kind of friendship that they had um, and then there's melville in love is coming out as well it's so, like two separate writers at two separate times had the same idea um it's like you know the same scientific discovery being made by two people at the same time in different yeah. cities but yeah that's so it's interesting i wonder what the next thing will be well
0: there's the two books about um the librarians in timbuktu
1: oh right right, right. there's we another one coming too.
0: out soon it's crazy um we should just sneak into writers houses and see what they're doing <laughs>
1: like i know when i got sell the ideas i know i got the um melville in love showed up in in my mail yesterday and I was like did did everybody just write their master's theses about Melville a couple of years ago and now they're all getting published like what happened
0: it's Um, crazy it is it's so So, interesting oh sorry
1: no no I'm I'm like like, tell me about your next book because I know the next one is one that you've been excited about for so long
0: yes I actually read it back in September so please bear with me because I'll probably forget all my words um but My next pick is called Dear Fang with Love by Rufy Thorpe. Um, I love, love, loved her last book, The Girls from Corona Del Mar. It was this really smart book about female friendship, Um, sweet like an arsenic-laced popsicle. Um, It was just (laughs) fantastic. And her new book, Dear Fang with Love, is a really smart look at family and what it means to be in a family or part of a family, Um, She looks at mental illness and, you know, family's histories, um, secrets, responsibility. It's just so, so great. And her writing is amazing. Um, And and her tales, like, they have these sharp edges that she doesn't curve or dull at all. Like, she lets it all out there. Um, And Dear Fang is about a man named Lucas. When he was a senior in high school, he met a girl named Katja. And they were just crazy about each other. And Ketcha got pregnant, and instead of being like, you know, here's the situation or telling their parents, they decided to run away. And they ran away um, and joined up with this weird, like, cult commune kind of thing in uh, in California. And needless to say, Ketcha has the baby, but things didn't go well for them. And now uh, the baby, Vera, is 17 years old, and Lucas was not even a part of her life uh, for the first few years of Vera's life. And now he's sort of like a weekend dad. He sees her... Um, you know, every weekend, but he's not, he's never married. Um, he's never had another child. He just knows her, you know, sort of not that well. Um, and Vera's 17 and she's in high school and she has a psychotic break. There's an episode, um, and Katya's worried and she calls him and, you know, they're worried about her. So Lucas decides he to take her to Lithuania with him. He thinks he's going to go there and find out all this information he's always wondered about his family's past um, he thinks, here's a great t- chance for us to bond and for her to get away and, like, clear her head. Um, so he takes her to Lithuania. But, you know, it's very different there. Things are different. Vera has all these questions. She's kind of angry at him. She doesn't understand why he hasn't been in their lives. Um, you know, there she meets cute boys. He meets cute girls. Um, she she meets a boy, you know, she's dating, Fang is the name of her boyfriend, she kind of writes these letters, uh, Mm -hmm. or these emails in between chapters, like, dear Fang, here's how things are going, um, and as you read these emails in between chapters, you see, like, where her mental state is, um, you know, she, she meets an older lady, she likes to smoke pot, she's doing all the stuff that she shouldn't really be doing as a teenager, um, with her dad, and it's just this really amazing look at you know, mental illness and what people need in their lives and, you know, how we make family and what it means to be a family. Um, And it's just so, so, so smart. Again, it is called Dear Fang with Love by Rufy Thorpe.
1: Speaking of what it is to make family, uh, my next pick is called Dinner with Edward. It's by Isabel Vincent, and this is a really lovely short memoir. Um, Isabel Vincent was best friends with a woman whose father's name is Edward. Uh, His wife, Paula, the friend's mother, passes away, and Edward is heartbroken. They were married for 60 years and had one of those just remarkable and inspiring relationships, Uh, and he is kind of lost without her um, for reasons that aren't entirely clear to Isabel Vincent. She agrees to just go meet her friend's father, Edward, and have dinner with him. Uh, Vincent's own life is kind of falling apart at the moment. Her marriage is in trouble. Things are stressed. She's unhappy. They're living in a place that she doesn't really love, and so she just goes to uh, her friend's dad, who's he's in his nineties at that point, and she's in her forties. Uh, goes to his apartment and has dinner with him. And he loves to entertain and to cook. And it turns out that he's really lovely, and they strike up this unusual friendship where all. Um, almost every week she goes to have a meal with him that he plans these meticulous meals and doesn't really let her even help in the kitchen she brings over wine uh, every time and he usually just puts it in the in the closet that he uses as a wine cellar because he's already selected the perfect wine to go with the meal when she shows up the martinis are already mixed and the glasses are perfectly chilled and he just loves uh, creating a meal and creating that experience of eating together and as they uh, eat together week after week they become friends and they talk about their lives. And she eventually opens up to him about what's going on in her marriage and the ways that she's unhappy. And they have this friendship that's uh, that really changes her life. Um, And she writes about it in Dinner with Edward, um, about what those weekly meals meant to her and what the friendship that she and Edward had with each other did in the larger picture of her life. Um, It's kind of Tuesdays with Maury but not as sad and with better food um, and it's not like that really I, th- I found Tuesdays with Maury to be like way too sweet. Uh, this is a sweet story and it's very uh, earnest, it's very sincere um, and very appreciative. She also writes very candidly I think about um, Edward, you know, is 90 years old when she meets him and of a certainly of a different generation and of that generation's mindset so he says some things that are blatantly sexist to her he tells her that she doesn't dress nicely enough, that all, she needs to show off her figure more, that it's not a great figure, but it's a good enough figure. Uh, that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, that she should work on her feminine enhancements, which is, I think, code for like wear a better lipstick. Um, one of the things that he wants to do with her is take her to Saks Fifth Avenue and help her pick out a lovely dress that she can wear on a date. But it, like, it's, it's one of those things, it's like your grandfather, who says things that are really not okay, but he's coming from the right place and you love him. And so she sort of wrestles with that as well. Like she believes and trusts that Edward's intentions are good and that he cares for her as a friend or sort of as a daughter, another daughter figure. So she's not going to call him out on this behavior, but she acknowledges that it's not excellent objectively. However, she kind of doesn't care because she loves him so much. Um, so she tangles with that a little bit and with um, what the changes that he suggests to her for her life really do affect as she, you know, as she begins to, like, take better care of herself and think about herself as someone who deserves that, how it reflects into the way that she thinks about her marriage and her other friendships and what's going on in her life. Um, it's a very quick read. I read it in one sitting. Um, if you are a person, like, whose love language is food, which absolutely is uh, something that's true of me, like, you know that I love you when I roast you a chicken, um, or I, I I don't know, Liberty, I'll roast you some tofu or something. Yes! Um, it, I thought it was very sweet. I could relate to the idea of uh, a meaningful friendship forged over um, regular shared meals, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So that's Dinner with Edward by Isabel Vincent.
0: All right. I know you're probably feeling this too, but wording is so hard to. I know it is hard to
1: make words.
0: <laughs> yes, it's hard to make words, and. I cannot find where I put my notes for this next book, so I'm just going to wing it. Uh, I wrote them an hour ago. My cats probably took them. They're jerks. I don't know where they are, so uh, I'm just going to wing it. Uh, My next pick is called Happy Family by Tracy Barone, and it starts in 1962 at a hospital. There is a young woman who appears. uh, She's in labor. There's a teenage boy there. He's sweeping up the floor. He helps her find a nurse. She gives birth, and after a little while, she disappears from the hospital, leaving behind this baby. Um, The young man who is sweeping the floor, he thinks she was, like, the most perfect, beautiful girl that he had ever seen. And he hopes that if he takes the baby home, he he and his parents can raise the baby, and eventually this girl is going to change her mind and come back looking for her baby, and that will lead her to him, and they will have this amazing romance, and life will be perfect. Um, Of course, these things don't happen like people expect them to or want them to. Um... Instead there is another couple um who is uh, about to have a baby. Uh terrible things happen. They lose their baby and they instead adopt this girl. And now it fast forwards to 2002. Um the young baby is now a 39-year-old woman named Sherry. Um she is a professor teaching uh cuneiform or professor of cuneiform. Hmm. Um And she used to be an NYPD police officer. She did that for several years. There's some kind of story there with her partner. Um, She gave it up. She's now in Chicago. She's a professor. She's having a really hard time with one of her students. Um, There's going to be an investigation. Uh, She's holding her ground. So she's up for review. And while that's going on, she is trying to get pregnant. She really, really wants a baby. She's with a man who is uh, much, much older than her. Um, she's been unable to get pregnant. She's been doing all the fertility tests. She's trying all these things. Um, she's really, really frustrated. Her husband's frustrated. He has this great career. When they met, she had said that she didn't want children. Now she does. Um, and she's just, she's having a really, really hard time, and her her world is falling apart. Um, her, her mother is completely overbearing. Uh, the couple that adopted her, um, she's... From Italy, her mother, and she calls her five hundred times a day. She thinks she's dead on the side of the road. Anytime she doesn't answer the phone, you know, she just gives her a guilt trip constantly. Um, and you know, her, and so now she's thinking about like, you know, why do I want children? Mm. What does this mean? Um, you know, she has all these questions, and and you know, secrets are going to be revealed. Um, it's it's really good. It's it's like dear, I like that I picked this as well as Dear Fang at the same time because it's like. There are different stories about family than the thing that they've been feeding us forever, like the mom and the dad. And, mm-hmm. and we know this. I mean, like, for many, many years now, like, we've been learning, like, there are different parents. But these are, like, very different, like, sort of family stories. Um, and it's, it's really good. It's sad, but it's really good. Um, again, it's called Happy Family by Tracy Barone. I'm going to read that one, too. Yeah, it's really good. So now it's time for something that I enjoy. And that is our next sponsor... Which is Third Love. Woohoo! Right? <laughs> like how many people asked you about your third love bra last week? A few only people asked a, me. Only a few, but they were yeah.
1: memorable interactions.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that we are huge fans of Third Love's 24-hour t-shirt bra. It is definitely the most comfortable bra I've ever owned. I know that you absolutely love yours. Well, you texted um, me
1: once to tell me that you forgot that you had it on. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: just it's so Comfortable. It's super smoothing, and it's invisible under every outfit. The cups are made out of memory foam, so it kind of fits to your shape um, instead of forcing you into things you don't want to do. Um, It just gives you the truly perfect fit. Uh, Until I actually had this bra, I realized that, like, I liked my bras like I liked my men. They were mean (laughs) and controlling, and, you know, I was happy to be rid of them by the end of the day. And I was always disappointed because they couldn't meet my unrealistic expectations. You know, but now I'm older and wiser, and I like boys who are nice to me, and I like bras that are nice to me. And this bra is so comfortable. It's just so, so comfortable. I mean, it doesn't make me, like, want to stab people by the end of the day, which is is something, because usually I'd be like, I can't wait to get this off. I cannot wait to get this off. So if you would like to be comfortable and, you know, feel better about about your bra, you can try it out. Third Love stands behind this product so much that they are willing to give listeners a chance to try this bra for free. You just pay for the shipping, you wear it for 30 days, you can take the tags off, you can wear it, you can wash it, like you can do everything that you would normally do with a bra, and if you love it, you keep it, and they'll charge your card. If you don't love it, you send it back for free and your card will not be charged. And if you don't know your size, they have a friendly online fit specialist who will help you find your perfect fit. Um, have you used this fit specialist? I did not have to call them mine. I got very lucky, came perfect right away.
1: I noodled around with it. Like I had been measured recently, so I knew what my size was, but I noodled around with their fit specialist to see if it would come out with the same size that the like magical bra lady here in Richmond uh, had come (laughs) out with. And it did. Um, and a couple of our uh, coworkers used it as well and had really positive experiences with that.
0: Yeah, so to try this out, you can go to thirdlove.com/books to get started, and start feeling less stabby right away.
1: It is really magical. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, my great third love anecdote was at Bea, someone that I've known for a couple of years, a friend uh, in publishing, saw me and like sort of looked at my chest area and went, "What have you been doing?" <laughs> I was like, "It's a third love bra." Our um, our sales director, Jan, was standing with me, and I'm sure he was like, what is happening right now? But he was like, they're our sponsor. (laughs) This is how you can get one. Like The men of Book Riot all now know things about the Third Love Bras because we talk about them so much. Yeah, they're Um, magical. They are. It's great. Uh, Another thing that's magical is Girls Right Now. My segues are weak and obvious this week, but I'm doing them anyway. That's okay.
0: We're tired.
1: Um, (laughs) Girls Right Now is an amazing (laughs) not. nonprofit organization in New York that pairs up young women who want to be writers with professional writers who volunteer to be their mentors. Um, it's just consistently hailed as one of the best after-school programs and one of the best literary nonprofits. Book Riot has worked with them in the past. They were our um, charitable partner a few years ago, where every year we give 2% of our profit, or 2% of all of our revenue, not just profit, um, to a nonprofit organization. And they're wonderful to work with. Uh, this week, their twenty-six teen anthology which is called revolution uh has come out. Francine Prose wrote the introduction to it, and it's a collection of work written by the young women who participated in Girls Right Now over the last few years. I've only read a few of these, um, but they're wonderful and really, uh, it's it's a cool glimpse at like who the next generation of American writers are going to be, or who you know could be if they stick with following this dream. It's very cool. There's just a variety of voices. Girls Right Now is diverse um, in terms of who participates and also the kinds of writing that they do and the stories that they want to tell. And it's a really nice um, snapshot. If you don't know anything about girls right now, you'll enjoy the work in the book regardless. Um, If you're paying attention to the organization, this gives you a a really nice look into what they're doing and uh, who they are and sort of where American writing can go through programs like this that pair up young people with experienced writers as their mentors. Um, so I sincerely recommend that you check it out. If you're looking for a literary nonprofit to support Girls Right Now, uh, Is girlswrite, W-R-I-T-E, now.org. Check them out. And the collection, again, is called Revolution, the Girls Right Now 2016 Anthology.
0: All right.
1: Alright, it's the home stretch. We're
0: getting there. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle this one off real quick. My last pick is called The Q by Basma Abdel Aziz. That's Q, Q U E U E, the five-letter word that has four unnecessary letters. Um <laughs> it's it's always driven me crazy. Uh it is this sort of speculative fiction uh set in a nameless Egyptian city, but it's very similar sort of this Orwellian dystopia parallel to you know, the the country after the Arab Spring. Um, there is an incident where the citizens rise up against the government, which is known as the gate. Um, unfortunately, you know, while they try really hard, the gate is more powerful and they beat the citizens back. They call the uprising um, and is now referred to as the disgraceful events. Um, and it puts this gate even more in power. It Uh, divides people that normally were getting along um, because of elections. Like, everybody's asking each other, like, who did you vote for? And, like, shunning people that don't vote the same way as them. Um, And now citizens are required to obtain permission for, like, the most mundane things. Um, So they have started lining up outside the gate to get in to talk to the gate. Um, Only the thing is that the gates are not opening. And people are coming back day after day and lining up. Um, There's somebody there who needs to get permission to get their prescription filled for their medication. Um, You know, just like the simplest things. There is a man there who was involved in the disgraceful event who is slowly dying from a bullet in his abdomen. It is lodged in his pelvis, and he needs permission to have it treated, to seek medical attention, to get medication for that. Um, But because he was involved in the event, uh, the officials refuse to even acknowledge that the bullet exists. And there's a doctor who knows of this case, and he's trying to decide, like, what does he do? Does he go against the government and save this man's life, or does he ignore him while he's there? Um, It's just really strange, um, but scary, because it's not that far away from reality for a lot of people, or what could be reality for a lot of people. Um, And it's really, really well written. It's really interesting. And uh, they called it Orwellian and... Kafka esque, I think, in like the same sentence oh. on the blurb. And you said Dickensy, so I think we've hit like all literary.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a different kind today. of bingo this
0: week. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's really, really good. And it's from Melville House. I love them. And the book is called The Q by Basma Abdel Aziz.
1: I think Amanda is reading that right now, too, and really liking it.
0: Yeah. Peter Damien, one of our other contributors, he loved it, too. It's great. Fun.
1: Uh, my last pick is a backlist bump. Uh, it's called The Language of Food, A Linguist Reads the Menu by Dan Jurafski. Um, When I was in Chicago last week, I spent a couple extra days in the city bumming around uh, with my husband having some nostalgia about uh, having gone to college there. And we went to Evanston uh, for an afternoon and went to there used to be a bookstore in this old alley in Evanston called Bookman's Alley. And it was mostly used books in this like long rambling building. Uh, and it was gorgeous and we loved going there in college and it like it smelled like old books. And the guy that owned it was cranky and never really moved from his rocking chair. And that made it better somehow. Uh, but the last time that I was there, about four years ago, they were getting ready to close. And I wrote a eulogy for the bookstore on Book Riot. And I heard uh, not too long after that, that uh, new owners had taken over the space and they were also going to use it as a bookstore. So I got to go back. The bookstore is called Bookends and Beginnings. And it is in this in this old brick building in an alley in Evanston. And it's a wonderful store. Most new books, really excellent curation. So we were browsing around and the thing I like to do in Indies when I'm traveling is just look at shelf talkers and talk to booksellers and pick up something that they're recommending. Um, Usually something that I have not heard of before. I like that new discovery factor. So I had not heard of the language of food, but there was a great shelf talker for it. Um, And this is packed full of those great did you know facts. So Dan Jurafsky, that's J-U-R-A-F-S-K-Y, is a linguist and he's fascinated by um, how we talk about food and how the language of food shapes food and culture. So some of the book is about like uh, analyzing the, uh, item names and the descriptions from several thousand uh, restaurant menus um, from a variety of you know different types of cuisine, some from high end, some from low end, some from in between. And he looks at things like uh, you can predict the cost, uh, like the average cost of an item on a menu based on how frequently the menu descriptions refer to the source of the food, like which farm it's from or how frequently the menu refers to the chef's choice of something versus the um, customer's choice. The high-end places are likely to tell you it's a chef's choice, something. Uh, The lowest-end restaurants give the diner more freedom and more choice. Um, Different uses of different kinds of adjectives and how those are related to pricing. Things like how the word ketchup comes from two Chinese words that originally described a fish sauce, but as people, you know, immigrated across the oceans and ended up in the U.S., that got distorted into a tomato-based sauce that then we added sugar to, but somehow we kept the same words. It's really fascinating if you like food and language, and I certainly do, Um, and it's great for, you know, Every time I have a meal now, I'm like, oh, right, this thing or like, uh, right, the word like crispy or savory or like sort of non-specific descriptors show up the most on mid-level menus. So now every time we go out to dinner, I'm looking for like, uh, are the descriptions on these menus actually descriptions or are they just filler words? And what does that say about other things, um, which I'm sure makes me a really delightful dining companion for my husband right now? Um But it's a really fascinating, fun book. I just tore through it on the flight home. Um, So that's my recommendation for a just backlist surprise this week. The Language of Food, A Linguist Reads the Menu by Dan Juravsky. So we made it. Those are our new books this week. What are you going to read now?
0: I'm going to read I'm Judging You, The Do (laughs) Better Manual by Levy. Um, I think like last week I asked people to tell me what they had read and loved recently and somebody said this book and I was like oh that sounds amazing and and she popped up like magical Mm -hmm. book fairy and was like let me send you one Um, and it says that it touches on topics from the importance of your favorite reality TV hot messes to serious discussions of race and media representation to what to do about your fool cousin sharing casket pictures from grandma's wake on Facebook. (laughs) Right?
1: This, sounds is, this read, is the book right? the world needs.
0: Yeah, I, I got this book fully expecting that as soon as I'm finished, I will be mailing it to you. Because <laughs> I was like, this sounds like, like your kind of book. So what are Perfect. you going to read?
1: I am going to read Grunt by Mary Roach. Woo-hoo. I've been holding off on it, but it comes out in a few weeks. I know I'm going to be talking about it on the show. And it is the Mary Roach sort of investigative, experiential journalism treatment of um, modern warfare. And military life. Um, I'm ready. I love her footnotes. I'm, I don't know what the rest is going to be, but I'm sure it's going to be fascinating. So I'm looking forward to reading that. I'm going to see her next month. (sighs) I've never seen her read. I got to do No, me either. I got to do an interview with her over the interwebs, like through a video chat thing a couple of years ago. (gasps) Um, Like video chat, like camera, like you could see her face. uh Oh my goodness. I would completely
0: lose my mind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was for a short lived program that some, I think it was a partnership of a bunch of indie bookstores were doing things where they were trying to run online events that also weren't connected to their stores at all. But like, Mm -hmm. so she was in her home office and I was in mine and we did a video chat that was, I think it was on google um that was broadcast live and people could watch it through a link that the indie bookstore was sharing and then they could order signed copies from that store that she had like previously signed it was very convoluted but i had a lot of fun awesome. um, she was great and i know one of our contributors uh, kim Okura, is going to be interviewing her for book riot about grunt but yeah i'm jealous you're gonna go see her yeah I'm She's excited. so I know, and you could there be like there is an endless list of awkward and wonderful questions you could ask Mary Roach, yeah,
0: I bet that everyone asks her like, what are you gonna do next, like, oh, maybe, what are you interested in
1: next? Yeah, and she never really tells. I remember she was working on the the space one um packing for Mars when I mm-hmm. interviewed her, but I didn't know that yet because she wouldn't talk about it. That's cool, though, yeah, it's, yeah, it's fun to guess what else Mary Roach might beanie do. babies. <laughs> no uh, maybe Mary well, mary roach book about like s- collector subcultures that yeah. like, that would be you could do a beanie babies chapter and like hoarders book hoarders uh, sh- <laughs> i wonder who <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like comic books and yeah. action figures and baseball cards um call us mary we've yes. got ideas <laughs> Awesome. Uh, So that's our show for today. We made words for 40 whole minutes. Uh, We'll be more ourselves next week i'm sure um don't forget to go to bookriotlive.com to get your vip tickets for forty dollars off and get those tickets to the strand party before they run out thanks again to our sponsors go to sendmeswooning.com and use the code all the books for 10 percent off your first month Uh, get smoke by dan violetta and go to thirdlove.com and use the offer code books to get your free 30-day trial with your 20 or it's thirdlove.com slash books uh, for your free 30-day trial with the 24-7 t-shirt bra that we really, really do love. Um, And it might be worth mentioning every now and then it shows up in our iTunes reviews, people being like, how come those sponsors aren't all books? Why are we talking about bras? Um, The larger a show's audience gets, the bigger the brands you can get to advertise on it. And you guys have helped us grow and become big. So it's actually a really good sign um, for the health of this year podcast when you're hearing about products that are aren't just books Um, so thanks for hanging for the spot about bras because we love them and we're really glad that we can take on uh, bigger advertisers Uh, and if you're interested in advertising on the show you can email advertising at bookriot.com drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or hit us up on twitter i'm rebecca shinsky s-c-h-i-n-s-k-y liberty is miss liberty and i mentioned itunes if you've got a minute and you want to rate or review the show we'd love to hear from you there and it helps other people to find their way to us
0: As much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash allthebooks, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter, which I will send to you via email about awesome books. And that's it. Happy
1: reading. Happy reading.